he comes up to me and the first thing he says is, do you live alone? (laughs) And it kind of freaked me out. So of course I immediately said no, even though I did. Perhaps you've had the experience of standing on some nondescript street corner, quietly minding your own business, when some well-intentioned or else utterly bold individual strolls over and tries to chat you up. Maybe you find yourself thinking, I hope this person's not a murderer. A fear which almost always sounds dramatic. But when Rachel Gladstone had a similar type of run-in with her neighborhood exterminator, she was shocked to find just how plausible that concern actually was. I pulled up to the front of my house and my neighbors came running out and said that the exterminator had murdered someone in cold blood. Today, Rachel speaks with poet Alicia Marie Brandywee about a series of unsettling encounters with the pest control man up the street and how his uneasy temperament led to someone in the neighborhood winding up dead. Then Alicia takes that fatal twist in Rachel's narrative and turns it into poetry. Equal parts petrifying chemicals, jellied organs, and amphibian. Prince belly up charming with as many teeth. Exhaled his questions onto you like a can of raid. Do you live alone? Real slow and thick and dipping down like his porch a block from yours. And the ad he painted on his windowless van, Exterminator. From Nashville Public Radio, PRX, and the Porch Writers Collective, I'm Joshua Moore. This is Versify. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to support this work, you can make a donation at WPLN.org. Each year, in the weeks leading up to February 14th, the seasonal aisles of gas stations, groceries, and department stores are gradually overstocked with trinkets intended to symbolize romantic love. And with all that celebratory messaging, it can feel disheartening if, say, you're not in some romantic entanglement. But then, there are those cautionary tales which can remind us of the many benefits to being single. And Rachel Gladstone is sitting down to share one such experience with poet Alicia Marie Brandywee. So this is a sort of an odd love story. Um, and it's about uh, this exterminator who lived down the street from me um, who asked me out. One morning when I was walking my dogs, he uh, approached me, um, crossed the street and started following me down the street like he had something really important to say. And um, as he moved in, an aroma reminiscent of ninth grade biology class from the semester we were dissecting frogs kind of took over. Perhaps, like me, you grew up on the Saturday morning antics of characters like Pepe Le Pew, the smooth-talking French mustelid with an outsized personality rivaled only by his outsized scent. All right, chérie, the courtship is over. Mm-hmm. Oh, the adoration. Oh, the chevaux adore. If watching Pepe taught me anything, besides the fastest way to be stamped a sexual predator, It's that, in the case of budding romance, it takes more than being doggedly charismatic to overcome a lingering stench. And while, like Pepe, David, the exterminator, may have come by his fragrance honestly, the scent of pickled frog juice was having the same effect on his love life as it did on the local pests. So I tried to smile at him through my gag reflex and uh, tried to be polite. And he comes up to me and the first thing he says is, Do you live alone? And it kind of freaked me out. That's not a question that you're expecting from somebody. So, of course, I immediately said no, even though I did. But I just 
didn't want to be too careful. I didn't really know this guy. Did your dogs have an interesting reaction to him? They didn't like him. They never liked him. And the whole time he was asking me out in that first conversation, they were pulling on the leash. And they each weighed about 110 pounds. Mm. So that was hard, you know, trying to control Mm -hmm. them. And uh, he continued on and said, well, I thought we could have lunch sometime. Rachel is painting a somewhat cartoonish portrait of David the Exterminator. But it might be because his pickup strategy seems like something out of a Warner Brothers animated classic. While flagging down otherwise disinterested women might have done for Pepe and Bugs, beyond the confines of the television screen, women tend to be a bit wary of overzealous strangers straining to solicit their attention. You know, my first reaction was to yell no. But then I had a moment where I thought, well, maybe I was being too picky. Who was I to say no to this guy? He was upright and uh, was breathing. What more did I want? Well, after a moment of, of absolute lunacy, I realized that, you know, he was not the Reese's to my peanut butter. And uh, so I said, well, I have a boyfriend, which I absolutely did not, but I just wanted him to go away. And suddenly my dogs were t- taking off after a cat and I said goodbye to him um, and ran down the street. As I was walking along, I just became mortified with myself that I had even considered going out with this guy that smelled like the inside of a raid can. You know, I hadn't felt this sense of self-loathing since the time my boyfriend's cat had left her bowl of wet food uneaten and I had been on a starvation diet and looked at it and said, is she gonna eat that? It might be tempting to judge Rachel for likening David to a mess of uneaten cat food, but let's look at it another way. Let's say, for the sake of discussion, you've just pulled off at a gas station on a long road trip. Both your stomach and your tank are on E. You head in to pay the pump and spot the last, suddenly tantalizing Frank, shriveled and rotating on a spit. And most of you knows that there are better options further down the road. If you just hold out for a little while longer, you're almost certain to find something more fulfilling. But as the weenies' little opalescent grease spots catch in the overhead's harsh light, and refract it like small, oily jewels. You think for a second, maybe I should. Then someone rings the service bell. You're loosed from the bratwurst's hypnotic turn and left to question how you let yourself arrive at this moment in the first place. Now, don't get me wrong, there are those people who love a good rest stop sausage, who are gas station ballpark francophiles. But if you happen to find a rotor-slick meat log is, shall we say, patentrique, you might be somewhat unnerved by your sudden appetite. Sometimes, though, necessity, like hunger, calls us to reconsider an otherwise unappetizing situation. A couple months later, I had the great flea outbreak of uh, 2016. Didn't know what to do to get rid of them. I tried everything, bombing my house. Nothing would get rid of the fleas. So I thought, I know just who to call. So I looked for the exterminator's number on the side of his truck, which was this beat-to-shit blue pickup with Bondo all over it that he had written his number in house paint on the side. Was it level or like kind of on a skew? It was kind of on a (laughs) skew, yeah. Like he had just kind of painted it when he was drunk one night or something. What did his house look like? It was it was a really old, old Victorian house kind of falling apart. Did it match him, it in, matched the, him. in the van? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It looked, his van looked right in place with the house, which was kind of hanging to one side, you know, the steps of the porch hanging off. And um, I said, you know, do you remember me? Um, I'm your neighbor down the street. And he goes, just quiet, just silence, dead silence. And I said, you know, you asked me out. And then he said, 
I only asked you to lunch. And then I, I kind of felt bad about that, but I moved on and said, I've got this flea outbreak. And he said he would come and spray. And he'd even give me the neighbor discount, which I was afraid to ask what that was, but I just let that go. Um, so a couple days later, he drove into my yard, and on the back of this truck was this giant plastic um, container sloshing with insecticide. And he pulled this long hose out of the you know, out of the truck bed, and the whole while going on about, you know, all these interesting facts about mice and, 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 you know, fleas, and like he was trying to impress me with his vast knowledge, you know, like he was an exterminator savant. And as it turns out, David was something of a pest control prodigy. He cleared out the flea infestation in a couple hours, then packed up his exterminator kit and left Rachel in peace. A few weeks later, David started seeing someone new. And it seemed as though he and Rachel's neighborly dynamic would be a normal one for the foreseeable future. Or at least so Rachel thought. And so they kind of were just living together. And um, about a month later, it was a really dark, stormy night. I came around the corner of my street and noticed that there were ambulances and police cars pulling in. And... I pulled up to the front of my house and my neighbors came running out and said that the exterminator had murdered someone in cold blood. He'd shot him with a shotgun and the guy was laying there and suddenly there were ambulances coming. And Who did he shoot? Um, it was his girlfriend's brother who claimed that he had stolen one of his guns. And so the brother came over and they were all shouting on the front porch and then the brother made moves to hurt the exterminator, and he went in and grabbed a shotgun and shot him. This was when the Nations was still kind of a hard scrabble. It was, you know, a hard scrabble neighborhood still then. And uh, he was found innocent. So he moved out to the country. So it was quite something. And the first thing that went through my head is, damn, I miss all the good ones. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's an amazing that's, story. That's the story of my love life. It hasn't progressed much since then. But. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever wish you'd gone on that date? Oh, God, no. <laughs> as it was, I got the extermination for, you know, a discount. So it was, it was almost as good as going on the date, right? After a break, we'll find out how Alicia takes Rachel's near miss with the murdering exterminator and turns it into poetry. This is Versify. Hey, I'm Jacob Lewis. If you like Versify, you will love Neighbors. I'm on a quest to make sense of the human experience through the lives of the people in my community. There's something magical about getting an intimate pass into someone's world and hearing about moments that transformed them. I was shot within seconds of exiting my, my car. See, what people don't realize is that we all have things that we carry that can bring us together. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and get to know your neighbors. Though Rachel mostly plays her experience for laughs, it was clear to Alicia that part of what enables her to joke about it is a feeling of relief at having narrowly avoided a potentially life-threatening encounter. I, clearly in the moment it was a little t- creepy and terrifying, but looking back now, it's, it's the kind of the love story I like to write, the, the ones that are funny and hilarious and 
kind of rejection of modern love. And I'm really glad she didn't go on that date. But I'm trying to capture the, the, the creep factor with the humor in this and kind of weave those together. Like it could have been her. That's clearly like the thought, like in that moment. And then she actually sees him murder some guys like, oh yeah, that could have been me. Was is always the fear when you get asked out by a creeper. Like every woman has gone through that. This is my poem. All right, I can't wait. It's called 615 Kill Verm. <laughs> there is a level of shame and self-loathing just below being on a starvation diet that makes you growl, is she going to eat that over the cat's three-hour-old wet food? Maybe you should have said yes to David, who smells like ninth grade biology, equal parts petrifying chemicals, jellied organs, and amphibian. Prince belly up charming with as many teeth. You reconsider your rejection. He is upright and breathing, exhaled his questions onto you like a can of raid. Do you live alone? Real slow and thick and dipping down like his porch a block from yours and the ad he painted on his windowless van, exterminator. Would you like to get lunch? Even with your 200 pounds of dog pulling on their leashes with the same insistence as your instinct, you lie. I have a boyfriend. David is not the Reese's to your peanut butter. Until he is. The great flea infestation a few weeks later. Desperation drawing you to his blue light like a fly. You dial the number scrawled on the van's side. Remember me? You asked me out. Zap. It was only lunch. But he offers you the neighbor discount. You think better than to ask what that means. The van brings to your door a pool of insecticide, a hose, and a running narration on varmint removal. Exterminator, savant, he's good at what he does clears out the problem, and a few weeks later, you see him with a girlfriend. Well, damn, if there isn't a kiss for every frog, even the one soaked in formaldehyde, until he clears out her brother with a shotgun, limbs cocked like a fumed spider on the front lawn, blue light filling your neighborhood. He's good at what he does, gets acquitted. There's a low level of self-loathing and shame associated with cat food, but there's pride in having the cat's adept appetite. Fabulous. I love that. Thank you for sharing. That was an amazing story. That was an amazing poem. I'm glad I did it justice. You did. Thank you. You had great details, like the Reese's to the peanut butter, I just was like, I had to use that. Thank you so much. I love it. So maybe David and Rachel weren't the best fit in a romantic context. And Rachel never said if she called on David's services again after that. But one has to wonder, particularly after beating that murder charge, whether there might not be some benefit to having a neighbor up the street with a knack for managing pests of all sizes. Versify is a production of Nashville Public Radio and The Porch, which trains our poets and hosts our storytelling events. Editing for this episode came from WPLN's Mac Limeball, with additional editing from Anita Bogg. The episode was written and produced by me, Joshua Moore. Carl Peterson masters the show. The music was by Blue Dot Sessions and Lee Rosevere, 
courtesy of the Free Music Archive. Versify is distributed by PRX. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to the show, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, it really does help, or send us your feedback to versifypodcast at wpln.org. We'd love to hear from you. And tune in again to hear the beauty of how we can turn your life into poetry, one verse at a time. Support for this podcast comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.